Hello and welcome to Extraction Jacks. Tom Howie's Greg Pappas without any music, for whatever reason. SP Futures up 3, Dazzy Futures up 37. Um, we have Home Depot earnings were last night. And even though they beat expectation, again, who are these expectators? Their retail sales declined 3% from a prior year period. It, it's in keeping with a lot of some of the st- uh, stats we're seeing. Other stuff's not, not so much. Greg, is Brendan on with us or no? I'm here. There you go. Greg got it together here. <coughs> he was uh, working feverish over there. He starts using his toes. I know we have a problem. That's that's always been a problem for me when I have to get in a higher math and get over 20. Yes, it's been it's been an issue. Still feels like, sounds like one of us is outside, but that's weird. Um, anyway, if Home Depot um, sales declined 3% from a year ago, what do you suppose their average price increase has been over the year? What's the real number you think here, Brennan? Yeah, I don't know how to estimate that, but <laughs> it's got to be a lot bigger than what they're reporting. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that on average I would think their stuff's up. Some of the lumber prices are probably down a little bit because weren't they up a real lot last year? They were up huge amounts a year two years ago. Yeah, some of that might have come down, but I was just, uh, we're, we're talking, you know, 45 hours for, for a sheet of plywood. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's stuff is egregiously expensive. I mean, $50, $60 for a bucket of paint. Um, so I, I don't know how you can even, I'll bet they could tell you. I mean, I, uh, who's, who's, the, who's the guy, the guy? Who's the guy that decided when you get a receipt from these places like Menards or Home Depot, that even if you keep it, you know, in a dry place, <laughs> that a year, a year later you can't read it? I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, the other thing about uh, about the receipt system right now is everything is electronic. So, like, you go back into a store and they can pull up what you ordered a week ago, even a year ago. Um, and that's also the basis of advertising for them. When you keep getting these email uh, advertisements, right. it's all based on what you bought. So why do you really need to have a hard paper receipt anymore? Because um, I keep them. Well, I... I <laughs> well, of course, it doesn't do much good if you question. can't read them. I'm sure you kept them. I'm, I'm sure you probably have them from several years ago, very logically organized uh, for tax purposes, but also for your own purposes. But still, I mean, what what really is the need for them uh, in today's world? Well, I mean, I, when I actually when I do the Home Depot, I'm not as much of a luddite. But uh, when when you get a receipt and you, you know, I have the you know 2019 stuff I spent on the place, the 2020, mm-hmm. it's all clipped together. Um, I'm sure I have it somewhere buried in my in my uh, the home the Home Depot stuff. I definitely get online. But I'd have to go back how many years in my emails to put them mm-hmm. all together. Plus, what do you do with the ones where you you go out and buy the workers' lunch or something for fifty bucks? And you're not getting that one in, uh, over the email. That's true. So I mean, there's a lot you don't you know you don't get. You don't go to, you know you decide to go someplace different. Uh, you know, I might get them. You know, I don't. I'm not sure I get the Menards over over. But I mean, we're, a lot of times you go somewhere. I go to the Dunkin' Donuts and want to get every coffee. Where am I with that one? I mean, you know, you want to. Mm-hmm. So you like to keep them in such a way where, you know, here's a weekend where you had workers over. You bought stuff. You paid them, and you, and you bought lunch. You bought everything. At least you can you can kind of reconstruct every weekend if you go if you yeah. want to. I mean, anyway, well, you can't if you can't read them. <laughs> but I also keep a, you know, an Excel sheet on the whole thing too. So I use that more than I do the 
then the, you know, if I have to go back in my emails, if somebody were to say, "Gee, you didn't really go to Home Depot that weekend," I could prove it. Well, see, that's that's the answer to your question about the receipts, at least in part, because when you uh, get home in the afternoon after a day's work, you can go back to your Excel spreadsheet, plug all the information in, and then you don't really need to be able to read the receipt anymore because you've got it in your Excel spreadsheet. Well, well the only problem is if I want to, for purposes of the show and our discussion, if I want to look up a sheet of drywall from five years ago to today, I can't read the one five years ago. So the, the Home Depot receipt, I'm not so sure. Is it, is it itemized? I guess maybe it is. should be. I mean, you, you could do that, I suppose. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like going to the grocery store and you get a whole, you, you know, like a three-foot-long piece of, uh, of paper for your $300 grocery bill. Yeah, well, that's, that's the truth. Or a, th- or a three-foot-long piece of paper for your three items. Yeah. The, the part, yes. you, know, you know what I, I don't, uh, what I don't get, and I know I'm a stickler on this stuff, but we we have, there's a, there's a yin and a yang here, Brennan, I, I don't want everybody watching everything everybody does, but I don't want people just because they're big getting to do whatever they want either, especially if we have hordes of people who are supposed to be watching them. Mm-hmm. And how, does, how does Menards, you know, I, like, I think that's actually in a lot of ways it's way better than Home Depot in terms of ease of, if you're getting any kind of heavy lumber or anything. Uh, how, how do those guys get away with this 11% rebate and essentially advertising the net price? <laughs> I mean, that is, I think, so against every Federal Trade Commission thing out there. And I actually, I actually wouldn't care, except I know that because of Elizabeth Warren and a bunch of other people, we literally have thousands of people looking for this crap. What are they looking at? What do they do all day? It's right there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying they, they should go to jail or anything like that, but how many people work in that division they, they, they put together because of her? 15,000 or something? What do, you, what do they do all day? What, what, if we just fired them, would anybody know the difference? I'm not saying that it, as an individual they're bad people. They don't come to work to do something. We maybe even think they're doing some good, but what do they do? Well, you raise an interesting point about all of, of government bureaucracy, but also corporate bureaucracy. Oh, yeah, well. There, there, I mean, there's there's a reason why middle management jobs came up. There's a reason why um, uh, TSA agents came up. I mean, putting aside the obvious of, of 9-11 for TSA agents, but, you know, the, the idea behind security of what you have to do and what you don't have to do, or any of the bureaucrats in, in any government agency that you want. The reason is that, that there was an abuse in the system or there was abuse in the way things were done. And this is a counteracting to catch the bad people, the bad actors. But that assumes that if I come up with the idea to, uh, to monitor antitrust stuff, that everybody's going to be as diligent and it has the same mindset that I do. And yet there's too much work for me as that one person to monitor everybody. So what do I do? I have to delegate and hire more people to do it. But does everybody approach it the same way that I do, with the same amount of expertise, with the same judgment, to really get the ferret out the bad guys from the not-so-bad guys, from the, okay, let's try this kind of guy, to innovative, to entrepreneur, to good guy? You know, a lot of these are judgment calls, and a lot of people get lazy in the jobs or just don't have the qualifications or the effort to to fulfill the job that they're supposed to do. Well, I was, uh, I was actually out in, uh, went out to Washington to do, uh, went to see the ballpark, actually, to see the Cubs play, so, but it was, uh, 
you know, there, you know, there was there was stuff I was I was doing, and I, you know, by wandering around, there was this big building that was going up, and they didn't have any tenants. So evidently, they ended up renting the place out to one of the, the you know, one of the departments of government that basically saved their ass. It was kind of at the same time that Elizabeth Warren was putting together this consumer. Now, I, now I don't think that a consumer protection group is a bad idea, necessarily, but the responsibilities they were taking over, like for the banks and stuff, you already you already have the Comptroller of Currency, you already have the Fed, and you, by the way, you've got the FDIC. So I mean, you already got three people doing this. So why you need a fourth person, I have no idea. Does that mean nobody does anything? I mean, if you have four quarterbacks, it means you have no quarterback? I mean, I, so, but then when you... I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, by the time you fill out a department with 10,000 people, first of all, you need you need a, hire, a human resources department to hire people. You need somebody to, to to get all the computers, to get all the desks, to get... How many people are you into it before you get your first person that actually does anything? Well, even before... Even when you hire them, you still have to train them. You, you, you've got to teach them what the rules are. You've got to teach them how to apply the rules. I mean, there, so it, it, there are additional steps to get it done. And, you know, in my simple example that, you know, you start off with one person trying to be the monitor, that may work well until you start adding how many times or how many uh, corporations or entities you've got a monitor and then you know it's too big for one person or five people or X people. And that's how you keep growing exponentially. And then training with the standards. And, you know, I'm always amazed when we go down these these roads with these with these discussions because in many cases I come back to something that I was taught my first year in law school and that is that bad facts make bad laws and when you start to look for egregious examples of what should be fixed we come up with an idea how to fix that circumstance and you know tax law is replete with this you want to close the loophole so you close the loophole but you don't realize that you don't quite pull the knot tight enough so there's another hole that pops up in another part of the rope or the knot and then um, you know you search for that so I mean many of the things we're talking about whether it's government bureaucracy or government policy or laws and interpretations of laws are because of egregious actions that need to be um, acted upon and and um, you know we laws especially typically look backwards more than they look forwards. Oh, sure. You, you look to see what's the evil that I want to correct. And I can pick out two or three examples and uh, once I get those two or three examples, that's what my new law is is designed to stop from happening again. Well, I mean, obviously, you see even, you mentioned the TSA, and it is, it is stunning to me how I'll, I'll say even, you know, Maybe if even a group over an adult beverage, I'll say, you know, I'm looking forward to the day when we don't need the TSA, and everybody looks at me like I have five heads. What do you mm-hmm. mean? I'll, I'll never get on a plane without them. We, we, we need that. I said, we didn't need that forever. And now all of a sudden, you know, we need it. What At some point, and I've always been a, I don't know, maybe it's the south side part, but if you can't guard everybody, you can't guard anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, I mean, when, I, when I see people over here spending how many million dollars they spent to harden the Federal Reserve Building so no terrorists could get at it. I'm sitting there going, all you gotta do is kill the people across the street. You know, what's the point? You know, if if you you can't, I mean, we have 60,000 people in the TSA, okay, if I want to kill 150 people, I'll find some other way. I won't won't do a plane. What's the difference? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, 
you know, I don't. You just wonder. I mean, I uh, Jim Moylan, an attorney friend of mine, who moved out to Steamboat Springs a long time ago. Uh, he came on the show a few times. And he was saying he used to work for the SEC. He said you sat at your desk, you always were on time, you always took your break on time, you took your lunch on time. You had stuff that you moved a certain amount of files across your desk to the next desk, and stuff just moved along because <laughs> there was no. You had no idea. It's like what, an assembly line. Yeah, it's like being he, in the Ford Motor Plant with yeah. the assembly line. You move the car down the down the line. Yeah, he, he had no idea of you know if the case was going anywhere or not going anywhere. You know, there were times when they just filled the stuff out, and for like a couple of years, they never had a case. I always wonder what what did the antitrust department do in the eight years Reagan was in office? There wasn't a case, was there? What what do those people do all day? Well, interestingly, I you know there might have been no new cases started. But there's still wrap up of old cases. Well, I'm sure they found something to do. I'm just, you know, I mean, I hope they did. Where else could you? I hope, well, I hope they did too. But I mean, one example for that is that when you look at young lawyers graduating from law school, you know, they want to join the Kirkland Ellis's, the Jenner and Blocks, the Winston Scrawn, the really big firms. And it's not uncommon that for the first three to five years, if they're a litigator in those big firms, all they do is sit in a conference room reviewing documents uh, for uh, to pr- help other attorneys prepare stuff. They're in the discovery phase, learning things. They don't learn anything about the law in most cases, but they have to generate a certain number of hours to justify the salaries that they're getting and their overhead, and the idea that they're still being trained in the law. But well, you know, many times litigators, <clears throat> I, I knew litigators who didn't get to court in big firms for five to seven years, even for motion calls because of the way that the, the firm's dynamics work. Well, I mean, I know a guy like Greg, Mr. Cellphone, um, probably can't even imagine in his lifetime what it was like to get a new job, I'm going to say 40 years ago. You'd walk into a place, like when I walked into Pullman or Allied Van Lines or any place, you walk in and they, and they show you your desk and you've got a phone. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool because nobody made any personal calls, and nobody in the place knew me, so who the hell was going to call me? <laughs> there's, there's no cell phone, there's no computer, and they'll give you like a, a book of rules. Here, work on this for like a couple of days or something. So my, finally, you go to a meeting and you'll get something. Maybe you'll get a little something to do. Just sit there for eight hours. <clears throat> you literally had nothing to do, <laughs> and and nothing to entertain yourself with. And it was, I mean, it was no computer, there was no emails, there was no whatever. You couldn't even go on, on your phone and check out the weather. It was like, right. I mean, you sat there, and if the phone rang, people wonder who else calling you because nobody knew you. It was, it was, <laughs> the, first, the first couple of weeks were like the weirdest start thing you ever, you ever came. Maybe it was longer than that. But fortunately, I was kind of a chatty dude, imagine that, and uh, made friends pretty quick and finally got some stuff to do. Uh, and, and, the, and it actually put me in charge of one of the railroad car contracts. So um, that was being done over in uh, the uh, the old Pullman plant in uh, PCW one on 111th Street there, even mm-hmm. though my, my office was allegedly in Hammond, Hammond. So every day I would go back and forth, with nobody able to find me either place. Well, you see that that's another thing they didn't have a tracking device on you. Right. Then. They you you couldn't be tracked on your cell phone. You couldn't be pinged every now and then to see were you really on your way from one office to the other office, or were you stopping in Dunkin' Donuts? I, you talked before about your Dunkin' Donuts receipt every morning. Do you still have the receipts from those times that you were going from one office to the other? Well, Greg probably never read it. You probably did it. Jim Boughton's original book, he was on his tell-all book, which, which shocked the world. Ball four. Which shocked the world. It's, Greg, he said in spring training, he would hang around the dugout, 
you know, looking like he was doing stuff. And then when he, his act got old, he'd pick up his mitt and he'd walk purposely, purpose, purpose, purposefully, fully, down to the bullpen like he had something to do. Then he would hack around down there for a while until they realized he wasn't doing anything. Then he'd walk back to the dugout. He did this like all day. That, that, that's what I did. <laughs> if, if I didn't really have anything to do at one place, I got in my car and went to the other place. And I figured, well, he must have something to do over there. <laughs> I'd get over there. I'd BS with somebody for a while. I, I, mean, I did a lot of work, but the idea that I always had the relief valve to go from one place to the other, every thought I was busy as hell was terrific. <laughs> I, was, I was Jim Bowden. Nobody wrote a book about me. That's right. And, you know, th- that's also George Costanza when he was at the Yankees, always appearing to be busy. You, you, you'd park your car in the parking lot and you'd leave it there overnight so that the boss would think that you're the first one in and the last one to leave. <laughs> um, hey, I got a, we got, a, we got a couple of minutes here, Stacks and Jacks. Um, I, got, I caught this thing yesterday. Uh, a guy from named Aaron Brown, he writes this thing into Cora uh, Digest. We have Brendan for another 15 minutes. We're going to talk about the, the ills of the world after the first break. But right now, it's. The question was, does Lou Brock deserve to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Okay. Um, why? He transformed the game with his speed. Uh, and and just think, he is the answer to one of the most commonly asked questions about what is the worst trade in baseball history. Yeah, yeah. I, well, so that's, that's... For, those, for those two reasons alone, he, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, well, this guy's... This guy's point, and, it, and it's, I've never heard him actually put this way before, because he, he, he's not saying that Lou Brock shouldn't or should or shouldn't. He was just comparing him to somebody else, and the difference is incredible. Um, anyway, the, uh, he's a, first of all, he says he doesn't like the term deserve, as, as it suggests there's some kind of moral entitlement. <laughs> anyway, he, say, he says, rather I'd say there are maybe 100 players whose careers were so great that to leave them out of the hall would diminish the hall, not the player. So he's talking about there's 100 people that absolutely need to be in there. And I, I, so I suppose I go wrong along with that. He goes, Brack is among the other 500 or so who could easily be put in the hall or not. So the 170 of those 500 are in the hall. 230 of them are not. But you can make, a, a, make cases for or against any of those 500. It's an interesting way of looking at it. Now yeah. he, he compares Lou, Lou Brack's career. He said, for example, compare Lou Brack's career. He got him 79.7% of the Hall of Fame votes for first-year admission. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, first-year admission. To Johnny Damon, who got 1.9% Hall of Fame votes and was dropped after his first year. Brackhead, like, he goes through the stats. Brackhead, 11,240 plate appearances, batting 293, on base 343, slugging 410, for an OPS of 743. Damon had 10,900 10, plate appearances, almost equal, at a 284, almost equal. On base percentage was actually higher. The slugging percentage was higher. His OPS was appreciably higher. Uh, says, Damon was a pretty good outfielder who played mostly center. Brack was a defensive liability who played mostly left field. Brack's WARs were 45.3 career, 32 peak, blah, blah, blah. Damon's were 56.3 career, quite a bit higher. Uh, 33.7 for seven year and 3.7 for his best 162 games. So his point is not whether one or one does and belong in and one doesn't. He said, but you look at the numbers, you can't believe one guy got almost eighty percent of the votes, the other guy got one percent. That's pretty scary. I, I'd never known I never saw I've never I never compared these two guys like that, but it's pretty interesting. It is. 
And when you, you can also look at those same types of articles where they compare people at the same position, like shortstops or third basemen or you know whatever position you want to pick. And if you do a blind sample, if you say, here's ball player A and ball player B with their statistics, either can you think, can you figure out who they are? Or can you say which one is in the Hall of Fame and which is not? Like you just did. If you gave all those statistics without telling me which ones are Brock's and which ones are Damon's, um, you know, should one or the other be there <clears throat> or not? And it doesn't always come out the way you would think it would. The other thing is it just shows how subjective <clears throat> the voting is. And, I mean, other things to think about are what did they bring to the team? You know, it, but arguably you could say that Damon was a spark plug on the Red Sox and the Yankees when he played there. Um, but Brock certainly was a spark plug oh, sure. for the for the Cardinals when he in the in the 60s after the trade from the Cubs for Berlio. Well, he had a couple of serious World Series events. Yeah, uh, where Damon actually had more playoff games and never made it to the World Series and, and played every every bit as well in the playoffs. The difference obviously is in stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, by the way, I, I have no problem with Lou Brock in the outfit, but I always do wonder how they decide who's in and who isn't. A lot of it has to do with where you played. And if this where you played and who else was on your team and how far your team went. I mean, uh, Brooks Robinson always said, and I thought Brooks was one of the most interesting people, always said to his dying day that he was not the best defensive third baseman of his era, Cleet Boyer was, and that he just happened to have an awful lot of balls hit at him that were difficult chances in big games, and he made the plays. He goes, yep. he goes other people play yep. third base, and they don't get a ball for a week. <laughs> what, mm-hmm. He goes, what if that would have been me? Because I didn't hit well enough to be in there, right? <laughs> Which he didn't. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of truth to that. That you know, who plays well in the postseason, and it's also easier to have, you know, records and padded statistics in postseason today than it was in the fifties and sixties. Because at that time there were no playoffs. Right. It was the top team in the American League, the top team in the National League. So you had two teams playing at most seven games. For yeah, and years I, and years and years. Right, I think that a guy like you know a, a Keith Hernandez or Dan Mattingly, they should be in there. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think for both of them. Because because I mean, they, if you if you combine the defense and the offense, they were the best players at their positions for a decade. Yeah, you can almost really put Mark Grace in there too, because he had how many Gold Gloves and and but he was uh, he was in a power position in the steroid era and didn't hit a hundred home runs. Right. He hit a lot of doubles, yeah. and a lot of hard doubles, but he didn't hit the home runs. You're right. So he was actually hurt by his lack of power and, you know, presumably his his lack of Flintstone vitamins compared to his teammate. Right. Well, and, you know, there was a guy uh, the other day about who were the best center fielders of all time. And no matter, no matter who you come up with, it's pretty hard to, to bump Willie Mays out of there. Right. Um, but one guy said that if you look at, you know, Joe DiMaggio's whole career, he... You know, he probably is sixth or fifth somewhere in there. Said, so, but if you if you take away the three uh, war years and the fact that he was never the same player when he got back, if you look at the three years before the war, there's never been a center fielder that was even close, even Mays. Mm-hmm. If you look at those three years, so it, there's always been no matter how you look at it. That's what, I guess that's what makes it so fascinating. That's, that's what right. ma- that's what makes it sports. Because if you look at those three years, you know he was, he, you know there's was, there was none better. But uh, mm-hmm. but then he went away, and when he came back, the other one, I mean, Ted Williams, why did why did that guy retire? He retired at forty one. What did he hit like three fifty when he was forty one? Didn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and well, his last at bat was a home run, I think, if I remember correctly. So walk away when you're on top. Well, maybe 41. I don't know, but I, if there was a DH back then, the guy, the guy'd still be batting for God's sake. You he know? would. <laughs> well, it'd be a little hard from the bat today. Yeah. What is? Well, plus his head was taken off and put in a. Is it a cryo thing or a something? Cryogenic chamber. Oh God. That's a. Uh, Anyway, we'll come back. Let's talk about the ills of the world here, Brandon. We'll talk about these numbers today, the CPI. SP Futures up 2, Nancy Futures up 26. you gotta, you got to talk me down from my uh, my huge push on this conspiracy theory lately. I, don't, I think I'm, the more I think about it, the more I think I'm right. That's the bad part of getting talked down. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, I'm Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. He's uh, Craig Pappas on the board, and I'm digging through the Home Depot earnings here. Again, sales declined 3% from year. I have the stock because they beat expectations. They are actually up two bucks. I wish I'd have done this, tried to do this uh, earnings play yesterday, and I think we had a big winner if we'd have done it. But we didn't. We didn't pay up. You know, they were. We showed them, Greg. They want. They wanted forty-five cents, and we bid forty. So we didn't pay up. So we were out, outcluded, as we say. Uh, I'm not so sure that's really a, a word, but it was used all the time on the infl- on the trading floor. The anyway, SP futures are up two. Nasdaq futures up twenty-eight. The Dow futures down three. Yesterday was a very inside day, as they say. S&P was down 3, NASDAQ down 30, Dow up 54. This is after the big, huge moves on Friday. Uh, so it was a, the last two Mondays have been very quiet. For a while there, we were down on Friday. When the World War didn't happen on the weekend, we'd be up on Monday. Now, that's all changed. We've been up on Friday, and we're our inside day is Monday. So you never actually know. Ever-changing marketplace, as they say. DAX up 73.5%, puts you down 29.4%. Kick around up 8, call that flat. So Europe is sort of a mixed deal. Uh, Eurozone GDP and the inflation number is today. Nikkei up 110.3%, Hang Seng down 29.2%, Shanghai up 9.3%, so kind of quiet there as well. Uh, bonds uh, down one, one basis point, 4.62, that's a 10 year that's a 10 year rate. The Bund unchanged 2.71, and the Japanese uh, yen down two basis points, Japanese, uh, Japanese yen interest rate to 0.85%. Oil. Uh, down six cents, seventy-eight twenty, still under eighty. Rent down twelve cents, eighty-two forty. Natural gas up a penny, uh, three twenty-one. Arbob unchanged, two twenty-three. Gold down sixty cents, nineteen forty-nine. It's just hovering in these mid-nineteen hundred areas. Silver up seven cents, twenty-two forty-three. Where it's been a buy, uh, it's 
been a buy down here. That doesn't mean it is this time. And when it gets to 23.50, you got to sell it. That's, well, that's what it's been in that range. Copper unchanged 366. Uh, crypto. The problem with trading ranges, Greg, is the minute you trade the range, the range changes, isn't it? A Bitcoin down 561 to 36,253. It's the first down move in there for a while. And when the, and the U.S. dollar is up a little bit, um, I'm sorry, it's down a little bit with the uh, euro up to 107, and the and the British pound is up to one almost 123. That's as high as they've been in a little while, because uh, the dollar had been strong. Now it's weakening some. Greg, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Good morning, everyone. 6.37 a.m. here in Chicago. 36 degrees right now, 62 today, mild with plenty of sun. Phoenix, we've got 70 degrees right now, 86 today. Partly sunny, only partly sunny, so change from yesterday. Uh, traffic, inbound Kennedy Mont from Montrose is 22 minutes. Edens from Lake Cook is 48 minutes. Ike from Wolf, 29 minutes. The Ryan um, inbound from... The 95th is 20 minutes. Inbound Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan was 30 minutes. NHL, we've got Abs beat the Kraken. That was 5-1. to one. Uh, NCAA basketball, number two, Purdue, wins at home against Xavier. And in football news, college Jimbo Fisher's buyout. He's due about $26 million within 180 days and then $7.27 million for another six, or six years. So total about... $77.56 million to do nothing until 2031. And then yesterday, Russell Wilson looked like the old Russell Wilson. And he was 24 for 29. Two TDs. The Broncos beating the Bills 24 to 22. That's all I got, Chief. Didn't the Bears beat the Broncos? The Bears. No. Yeah. The Bears can't beat the Broncos. They can do it. We're going to get up running here a little bit. You just hear him in the background. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty good game. I got to tip the cap to Russell Wilson because he he definitely looked a lot better than he's normally. Well, why don't we get Brennan back and uh, the the guy from Mississippi State got tossed yesterday too, right? Yeah. So now the game game has no coaches. Yeah, it's uh. So Brennan. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, my question to you is because you know you're a guy who always likes to be gentler than me to our public officials. <laughs> uh, you know, and a lot of people, well, as I'm getting less and less gentle, I mean, I'm kind of on the far edge of that now. I never used to be, but I am. I, uh, I, uh, I, don't, know, I don't know what to think about it, Brendan. I know individual people that seem to really care that are legislatures and stuff, but the collectively, I can't, uh, you know, I sort of can't go there. It's like, I don't know, at some point I was having a, an attorney, very liberal guy, real bright guy, uh, uh, retired. I was talking to him in a Tripoli one night, and he listens to the show, and he goes, you know, Chief, you make some of these statements and you generalize, and you shouldn't be generalizing because you know you can't generalize, and you do it anyway. And uh, and I said, you know, the guy's name's Luke. I said, Luke, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I, and I shouldn't do that, and I, when I do, I should mention that I am doing it. I said, but it comes a point when you talk about the police department or something, and nobody cares more about these people <laughs> than me because I played ball with them. My dad was one. I mean, it's not like I don't have. I said, but when you get to the point where the the entire group can't seem to discipline themselves, even if even if ninety percent of the people are terrific people, you get dragged down by the other ten. That's and, right. And that's and that's a problem. You you, you end up. 
becoming generalized on your own, not because I do it necessarily, but you look at the you know, the, the total inefficiency and the incompetency in, in, in government, it doesn't mean that the person you just talked to who's trying hard isn't trying hard. It means that somehow at the end of the day, I would say that out of all the representatives that go to Washington, out of 435, if we sat down and had a beer with 350 of them, we'd be very impressed. We'd think they were all working hard, and they probably are. But at the end of the day, you're tired I, by the... I would bro- not be. I'll chime in on there. You think... You think it's it's you a hard hard no for this guy over here. Um, I'm going to say the, the reason why you say that, uh, and I'll just, just a little bit of critique, and Brendan can be the referee, is you're, you're tainted by the Chicago people. If you actually go find somebody from Southern Illinois or Indiana or someplace or Carolina, you might find the person is exactly what they're supposed to be. There's somebody from the community that actually is going to Washington that everybody knows, that goes to the barbecues, that does all that stuff, and actually doesn't mind going to the store or going to the bar and mix with people where you'll never see the people here anywhere. It's, I think I think there's a huge difference between your, your North, New York representative or Chicago than somebody from a regular place. Would you? Who would you agree with? I mean, it doesn't mean. I, I agree with you, Chief, and I. I've, I've done a lot of people who are, are real people in in, uh, in government, who really take their job seriously. I also agree with you that the hard workers and the, the diligent workers and the smart people get tagged with the um, ideas of of some of the uh, extremes, whether it's an AOC or a Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, the, the people who are in the news always in front of a camera making outrageous statements are the ones who taint everything. They also get tainted with the people who wind up in federal court before the U.S. Attorney's Office. Yeah, and, 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 they, have, and they have no ability to police themselves. I mean, they, they, they can't kick this guy out who gave, gave the wrong resume all the way through. So if you can't kick... I mean, I, I use the example with you know, policemen. My, well, my, I never knew my dad much. He dated when I was four, but my stepfather's father was a... Remember they used to have the Park District Police way back in the day? Well, they I do the, remember that. Well, evidently that was kind of a corrupt outfit, so they, they melded him into the regular police force, right? Mm-hmm. So this guy, who, you know, was pretty much my step-grandfather. For the, we talk about it, and he goes, you know, I used to have guys in my... And he was this honest old Irish guy, big Irish cop guy. And I, he says, there were, there were guys in my squad car that I, w- I would never let out of the car. Yep. He says, we'd... We'd, we'd pull up at somebody's house, and you know maybe a burglar was supposed to be in there. And he goes, "Hey, you Billy Club, you never wasn't armed. You were going after." He said, I, "I'd leave this guy to watch the car because every time he went in, he'd come out with, with a bottle of booze or something, <laughs> something he took from the guy." And he goes, "I, I didn't want to. I, I wasn't." But he never turned him in either. You know, I mean. Well, I remember. I remember stories growing up where, <clears throat> I mean, we could look back on our high school days, and we knew there were some of our classmates who were going to be involved in the criminal justice system. We just didn't know which part of the desk were they going to be on the bench, were they going to be in the defendant's table, were they going to be one of the attorneys or the bailiff, but you knew that they were likely to be involved in criminal proceedings one way or another. Either as a crook or on the other side. Or a, a cop or a lawyer, yep. <laughs> or, or one of the perps. <laughs> <clears throat> right, and just because they're a cop or a lawyer doesn't mean they wouldn't be a defendant in those criminal trials either. <laughs> well, that was uh, one of the themes of, remember, the, the uh, I actually have the full however many seasons, Greg. I should have some people over and have some cocktails someday, and, and uh, Brendan would be invited, because uh, you know you know how it ends. It's essentially the Tony Spilatro story. And, uh, but the, the interesting part about it 
is that you have uh, all all the Chicago places it drives through. You, it, it is a period piece. Those parts of the city don't even exist. You know, gas stations on this corner, something that I can remember and whatever. But the uh, it was interesting that the, that the people who grew up, the guys who became the the mob guys, and the guys who became the policemen that were fighting them, essentially grew up in the same neighborhood and all knew each other. Tequila Sunrise, remember the yeah. movie Tequila yeah. Sunrise with uh, Mel Gibson and Kurt uh, Kurt Russell? Yeah, and how many times did the the, the, did the lawyer flip from one side to the other mm-hmm. in the show? He first yeah. he, first he was uh, the mob guy representing the mob people, and then he didn't want to do that because what they blew up his dad. Then he came. Then he became the hired by the police forces. Is there is there uh, their guy? Then he went back the other way. He kept going back and forth. He knew everybody. It was yep. kind of. But what do you, what do you make of? Uh, we've been talking. We only got a minute or so here, uh, Brennan, because uh, Kenny should be calling in. We'll wait until he does, though, before we let you go. Uh, I'm, I'm here. Oh, I'm you're here. here. Well, we're gonna have to continue this with uh, Kenny. What what do you make of the idea that we seem to have? I'm going to lob this one out there, and I'll continue with Kenny. We seem to have a confused government that's, that seems to think that they can spend way more than they have, and all they really do is, is run off another $100 bill and pay their own debt. And they, they, they don't seem to realize that that's what the Weimar Republic did, for God's sake. I mean, uh, right. I can't be out of money because I still have checks in my checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> I still have checks in my checkbook too. I don't remember the last time I even wrote a check. I do. I do. That's all the time. why I always have money in my. Why I keep spending right. because I don't have <laughs> use my checks. Well, we'll we'll let you go, Brent. We'll, we'll, Greg has done this now. He's 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 made it even worse for me. Greg timed the uh, what is it the the debtclock.org was it about three months ago, Greg? And, and you timed it at what forty two seconds for a million bucks? Yeah. And you just did it the other day. What'd you come up with? 31. 31. This is in a few months' time. It snowballs. It's pretty scary. Yep. Brandon, we might need you later in the week. we got some guys missing, bud. Maybe Thursday. Um, All right. Let me know. Well, Kenny, how are you? Missed you last week. I didn't get my Kenny fix. How uh, are you? I know that. I completely I had a brain freeze last week. I'm not sure what happened, but, yes, I apologize for that. I uh, I saw your interview with Maria Bartiromo. She still looks good. Over I like, the weekend. I like her. Yep. Um, I, yep, I, I, I do too. Get a load of this. I, I looked better at one time. I had a long conversation with Maria, Maria Bartiromo out by the swimming pool in Arizona. And I, yep. didn't look, I didn't look bad, and she was in her bikini, and she didn't look bad either. Both of us, I think, would probably like, like to be that day. <laughs> but, but, the, <laughs> but she was very nice, very, very, looked you right in the eye. I liked her a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's great. I've noticed since, listen, I've noticed since she first came on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange in 1998 when she was 28 years old. Wow. You know, when, they op- when they opened up the floor of the exchange to uh, to the media, and CNBC was the first one to come, and they, they, they you know, they gave her that opportunity. That's where she, uh, that's where she began. Well, didn't she, before there was any kind of really information, because for, for those that don't know, it's how crazy the world was. They used to block information from getting to the trading floor because they thought it would give you a yep. full advantage. The, Matter of fact, it was years they, before you could even watch CNBC in the CBOE floor. That, uh, listen, you couldn't have, there was no radio, there was no TV, there was nothing. And part of that was because at, when you worked on the floor, you were representing an institution at the point of sale. You weren't actually supposed to be poisoned by news from the outside, whether you know whether you had information or it was negative. Or it was, you were supposed to be able to react 
to the crowd only, more buyers, more sellers, whatever it was, you were supposed to react at that moment in time to supply and demand. And so there was no outside influence, right? The only way you got news from the outside was if somebody called you on the phone and told you something happened, right? right? Well, yeah, yeah, the news, yeah, the news tape. Yeah, the news tape. Yeah, yeah, but the news yeah. day was that was the newspaper that you bought in the morning. It didn't tell you what was happening during the day. Plus, if anything right? happened, it was always delayed. Correct, correct. <laughs> new, so new. then, when Dick Grasso opened up the the floor to the media, CNBC was the first one. That was a that was a huge step. It brought the New York Stock Exchange into everybody's living room. People around the country and around the world could actually see the excitement that happened there every day, and it was exciting. Um. And uh, and so that that that's you know now everyone's there. Could you or imagine Greg? You imagine Greg trying to trade when all you had was the news tape, and on a busy day it would say news tape twenty minutes behind. <laughs> it's like watching the movie where everybody else already saw whether the guy fell off the horse or not, right? But the uh, but but didn't uh, rumor was and you know the answer to this you don't have to say is when she was standing there and there was something else she was supposed to say the news like like. Uh, Kenny's talking about somebody from like her booth would run out and hand yep. a piece of paper to her. Well, didn't other people yep. didn't other people jam pieces of paper in there that said stuff like "I'd like to do this to you tonight" or something? <laughs> and she'd be looking at it. Well, sometimes you'd see her face like light up, and she'd throw the thing on the ground. I think guys are just getting. That's up. when you. That's when you needed to have a sense of humor when you could actually do something like that, and everyone would laugh about it. Wouldn't well, yeah. be anything. Wouldn't be anything. Nasty. It would be a joke, right? I mean, right. you'd have fun with people, and um, and, but that you know, that's when you used to be able to do it. Now, God forbid, you can't even joke. No, I can't even can joke. We had uh, Bob Dole came to the trading floor when he was running for president. He came yeah. down the aisle and he, and everybody, I I knew it, but the other, I, I just happened to know it. But he didn't. He didn't really shake anybody's hand. He would just tap your hand, which those guys right. you can't. You can't shake like nine thousand. But he also had. Didn't he have a shrapnel wound in his hand or something? Yes, yes. And so I, I forget which arm it was that was. His, his that left was one didn't. Hurt. His left one didn't work much at all. I don't think. But whatever. Right. Bob Dole's right, a good right, guy. Right. But somehow or another, with the Secret Service guys and everything, somebody was able to, to tape the train of little paper cl- paper was to his shoes. Yeah. He was yeah. walking around the yeah, floor yeah. with the the paper. <laughs> How did somebody yeah. do that with the? What if what if you saw that today? And, and somebody oh took a picture God. of it. What were the the Secret Service guys getting some trouble or what? Oh my God! Listen, on the floor they used to make those cutout spurs, like on the back of uh, well, cowboy boots. That's what they did. That's what they put and on. They, yeah, yeah, the spurs. Yeah. Oh my God! And it was hysterical. <laughs> oh, yeah. Either that, or they do the powder on the shoes. Did they do the powder on the shoes in Chicago? Uh, not so much that. They were pretty. They didn't really want that stuff on the floor, but they used to do the were the, were the new clerks. Somebody yeah. there was all this paper on the floor. So somebody yeah, somebody yeah, put yeah. like a five hour bill in the middle of the paper, and he'd attach it yeah. to a string. And so, <laughs> so if some clerk could go and he'd reach for the five hour bill, they'd yank the string like they were catching a fish. <laughs> but you know, see you you and I can laugh about that stuff because we lived it, and it was actually so funny when oh, it yeah. happened. Well, but, there was there was a guy who know, was I, uh he was he was a he was a professional weightlifter. Guy was guy was yeah. strong as an axe, right? He was a clerk for somebody. Not the brightest bulb yeah. in the box, but uh, matter of fact, he was definitely not the brightest bulb in the box. But the dude, he had what, what, what's his traps? The, his trapezoids were so big he couldn't yeah. he couldn't reach behind his neck. Right. So, so like every every half hour, somebody run behind him and pull his collar up. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, he, and he couldn't reach back, 
put his collar down. <laughs> and he gets so pissed off. Plus, he could have killed anybody. He was so strong. But he, the guys were so quick, he never even knew who did it. <laughs> guys are yeah. dead. I mean, just, it was just crazy stuff. Then there were guys with the stink bombs. Oh, God. But, I mean, so Kenny. Was there? Oh, my God. Yeah, you can't even, you know, we could talk about that all day. Just the, the antics that, that went on, you know? Yeah, it was, uh, with some of the some of the comments, we had him on the show once. Doug Redmond, the coach, is one of the most most character guys. But people would ask you like the the, the, the most bizarre questions. There was a girl in the pit. It says the says yeah. the coach, coach. When's the last time? I'll clean it up. When's the last time you had sex? This is you know the right. flat, so, so coach says, hey, I'm fat, broke, and, and gray hair. I can't even have sex with my <laughs> wife. And then he then he says. <laughs> But if I had dough, they'd work with me. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't broke. If I had dough, they'd work with me. I, I was dying laughing. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah. today that's not politically correct, but if I'm not so sure it's not so true either. But anyway. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I had dough, they'd yeah, work yeah. with me. But the, uh, so, Kenny, they're going to have another budget thing. This, this, yeah. These numbers are running out of control. Uh, yeah. E- even though the inflation numbers don't appear to be coming down as fast, we're going to see some numbers today. But I'm going to say I, I'm 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 the leader of the pack. That I don't believe any of these numbers, but that's another story. Um, I don't. I mean, I think the inflation rate has come down some. I think it's still there. They're not. The press conference to me two weeks ago that started this rally was we're not we're not going to attack the price level. Don't worry about that. And if it takes us a while to get down to two percent, I guess we're okay with that. So that really right. was a relief valve for everybody. But still, yeah, they're up high enough here. There's a significant portion that says we're going to go back to three percent. The market's going to double again. And yet, I look at some of yep. these stocks. I I'm staying away from the real big ones. I keep looking at this Adobe because it's up as much as any of these all year. And I I just did a thing. And this is before it ran up another forty bucks. I got about at eleven times yeah. revenue, Kenny, and, and fifty sometimes PE. I don't worry so much about the PE, but how does it? How does a company that has that makes is eighteen billion dollars in revenue? How the bleep do, are they going to double? I mean, I mean, I don't see how yeah, you can. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, mean well, I, I don't see how a company that size that is so so high priced versus revenue, even if you got really good margins, I don't see how you, how you ever grow into that price. You, they're too big. I mean. If, See, smaller companies, they could double. But how does this place double? Right. Right. I don't know how it doubles. And, you know, that's going to be – and that's always the question. But yet, investors, they find another way to value it. They find another way to justify the price. And it just and it just continues to go on. But how do they double? A company that big, how does it double? I, I, I don't know how it doubles. But you Well, you know, know I mean, I, I manage a lot of money for people. And when – and it's – and I also like doing the indexes because I'm not the best at individual stocks. I mean, if I was with you, right. we would have an individual stock group that you could run <laughs> because you, yep. you know the stocks better than I do. I'm, I've always been an index guy, and my my shtick is, I mean, I, either if somebody has a concentrated position, I'm pretty good at dealing with that, you know, protecting it or whatever. But yep. my, my shtick is if you ask me to pick 10 stocks, all you'd be thinking about is I'd pick one clunker that would ruin my nine good ones. <laughs> you know, but it's because you know because yeah. because it, it happens you know and I I'm just not well, of course that, it does and uh, but some guys I think are actually better at it and I put you in that class so I, I'm thinking yeah. you you so I mean if we would have if you and I manage money together we would probably do you do the stock part where people want to be in individual stocks and maybe I do the index part or something or we combine or whatever because I think we we have 
corresponding talents. Uh, but my point is, right. <clears throat> I don't. If I go and put somebody in the queues today, because that's the one that I've had conversations the last three days. How how come we weren't all in the queues this year? Well, because last year the queues were way down, and you want, you didn't want to be <laughs> right. in the queue. But I've never seen. Right. As I've gone through my performance this year, I've never seen a split like this, where one index is up thirty percent. The Russell's what down three percent or something. Russell can't get out yeah, of its own way. Russell's, and a lot of people want no, to be the in the Russell. Down more than 3%. Well, then, in this, we've got the a lot Russell's of. Russell's down more than 3%. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised thought it was, my computer, but. I, I thought yeah. it was. Well, anyway, it's down. And you know the one that everybody wanted to be in? Yeah. We, we actually, some of our biggest positions are in, in, in a couple of spots, are the, are the healthcare, XLV. Things gotten trounced. Yeah. <laughs> You that's right. That's got all these, all the defensive names that I actually, you know, like and I own. Consumer staples. That's got that's down on the year. Healthcare is down on the year, and that's you know that's contrary to kind of what you thought should have happened in an environment where rates are going up and people are getting nervous. They thought stock prices were going to go lower, and in fact, stocks have stocks have not done that. Now you could say that the seven magnificent names are really carrying the indexes because if you look at the S&P equal weight, that's actually slightly negative on the year, which tells you that there hasn't been a lot of, you know, the broader market hasn't really moved at all. Right. Right? Well, but, you've got... But you, to your point... Well, you got two wars and oil's even, or the XLE is even. Right. After being down XLE most of the year. So, yeah. um, but did you, see the, did you see the report? Yesterday they told us... Oil was down. They told us, oh, oil's come back because the demand in China is waning. Today, OPEC runs with the headline that oil is set to uh, uh, import record amounts of China's ready to import record amounts of oil in 2023. Now, yesterday they said demand is waning in China. Today they're telling you that they, they can't get enough of it, which is which is frustrating, right? And it, so it depends on who's telling the story, what's the motivation, who's talking their book, and oil rallied, right? It rallied yesterday, it's going to rally again today on the back of that headline. India's another one that can't get enough oil, apparently. Well, right? it rallies. They're growing hand over fist, and, and demand is huge in that part of the world. Well, it rallies, and then it goes right back down. And that's something it's going to, but you know, it's, it's funny, my, you know, a lot of the people mm. who, uh, and I, politically, I'm just, you know, I, I'm trying, I'm right in the middle. I think the, the edges of both parties, somehow we need to let one drop into the Pacific and one drop in the Atlantic, you know, and, and go with the rest of the people. But that's, that's just, that's just an editorial yeah. comment. But uh, the, if you talk to a lot of people, and I was having this discussion two weeks ago, and some of the guys on the show, they're, they're saying, if only, if only, Biden wasn't screwing the oil industry, you know, up, up, upside and in, 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 you know, and sideways. And I said, you know, right. And I go, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not about to justify Joe's apparent disdain for the industry and the people around him and blah blah blah. And I'm not going to say that Trump wasn't favored of the industry, but I will say, as somebody in the middle of this, is if you look at all the numbers, uh. The production of oil is up way more under Biden than it ever was under Trump. Now maybe it's despite him, or or whatever, or maybe the COVID messed Trump up or whatever. I said, but the fact, my conclusion is, the oil industry right. responds to prices and stuff worldwide, and it's a lot bigger than either any of these two these bozos that are president. Is my is is my the conclusion right. I'm coming and to? Fossil fuels, by the way, are n- yeah. But, and fossil fuels, by the way, are not going away. Demand for fossil fuels is not declining, right? It's not. Even if they, like yesterday, they, they, the story in the New York Post about 
Oh, Kathy Hochul wants everyone to go to electric heat in New York State. Okay, electric heat. Do you know what electric heat costs? Besides what it costs, do you know what it costs to produce electric heat? How do you think they produce it? They produce it with coal and energy and oil to create the electricity so that I can heat my house with electricity. It's ridiculous. Kenny, how does, uh, we'll let you go here, but how, how does somebody get in that position? I mean, I'm not, I am no f- physicist or anything like that, but I've always talked to people. You know how much I love learning from you. Well, I was always that way. And I, the guys at Pullman, some of those guys were yeah. mechanical engineers. Yeah. They were heating engineers. I would sit down with these guys, and the, one guy told me one day, he goes, your heat, the heat in your house now, your gas furnace, is up to like 90% efficiency. And this is years ago. They've only gotten better. Yep. He said the burn gas. Yep. the burn right, gas. It's only gotten better. He said the burn gas 200 miles away and, and pipe it over lines to get to your house for an electric heater is probably the dumbest, most inefficient thing anybody ever did. Because you, you've you've lost it. Of every, every... It is, but look who's so how would... look who's suggesting we do that. Do I need to say it again? Kathy Hochul from New York State is suggesting that's what we do. It's ludicrous. Does she have Does she have money in the electric companies, or is she have money in, in in power lines that all got to be changed? Or, I mean, you have to wonder how do these people not well, know, you know this? Isn't that's right. Isn't that an interesting? Isn't that an interesting question? Right? Because you'd have to look. You'd have to see. You know, who stands to benefit in in something like that? I mean, it's all over the place. They all do it. All the all the elected officials. They're all pushing their own book and where they have investments and where they have, you know, opportunity. Who are they kidding? Come on. Well, you this, and I would go to jail if we had that kind of oh, information. Well, I'll, I'll leave you with this one, Kenny. I'm sure you know it. Maybe you don't, or maybe you'll learn something from me today. If I if I were to ask you, who had the best electric streetcar system in the country back in the 50s, who would you say? I think they had segregated right away. What state? Or what, what city? What state or what country? What city in the U.S.? What city? In the United States? Yep. So I would say, I would say, I would say San Francisco. Eh. They're pretty good. But Chicago? L.A. They L.A., had, really? They had I didn't tr- even know they had electric streetcars they, they, they had a tremendous streetcar system in L.A., and in the 50s, General Motors did, you know, the Harvard Review kind of thing and put a, published all these yeah. papers about how inefficient they were and buses were a lot better, and they tore the whole thing up. The his, read the history of that. Oh, my God. I mean, they, I think they had well, Chicago had a streetcar system, but, but it just went through the, down the streets. It wasn't segregated. You want it segregated so it, it can move even if the, car, yeah, yeah. the, the cars don't. I think L.A. had the by Boston far, has a great streetcar system. They do, they do. But L.A. was was massive. And there's there's pictures online yeah, of all I these streetcars piled up as junk, only because of this, well, only because of the of the, the studies that General Motors just happened to make buses commissioned. You know, those were all yeah. electric, and now now we're back the other. Yeah. Wouldn't we Wouldn't we rather have that system today than what they have with buses all over the place? Of course. Of course. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, if you get a, if you get a hot moment, check out the uh, historical L.A. streetcar system, and you'll be stunned. Yeah. All right. Listen, when are you coming to New York with those band of with those band of people you want to bring to the New York Stock Exchange? Number one. And when am I coming to Chicago to sit down and break bread with you? Uh, the question, the second question, can be answered by you. First question, since Maddie Weber's had another baby, <laughs> I'm thinking we might be pushing spring. Maddie Weber's having another baby. He Congratulations had two, he had to two. him. Two weeks, another little girl. Not oh, a, yeah. he's got two girls? I got yeah. two girls. Maddie, good luck to you. Yeah, now the question is, is uh, is the wife who controls the whole situation, does she want to go for a boy? 
She she she, she wants yeah, the more. Yeah, yeah. She, she, I yeah no, I decided after I had two girls. After I had two girls, I figured this gun shoots the same bullet, so that was it for me. Oh god, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> god, my we're just out. Okay, uh, Katie just on on Thursday. The, the girl from uh, Vanderbilt, her uh, well, her cousins, yeah. her cousins. The, the boys are a little older, and they're all having they're all having kids. Irish. They're up to seven boys. Yeah. No yeah. girls. Seven boys. Really. Yeah, I, wow. one, matter yeah. of fact, they just. Had, I didn't know that. Ma- I didn't. Know, I didn't know Maddie was pregnant again. And he had another baby. Yeah, uh, I think that's great. I mean, wait, uh, is he at work or is he off? Is he sitting there with you? No, he's. He'll be back probably next week. He, he took oh, two or three weeks off. Week. Okay, I'll have he, to reach out. Yeah, because he. I'll, uh, I'll he's have a to cute reach out. One. Congratulate him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is it Bet Corinne? Cute little thing. Who's other? His, his, well, Maddie's a good-looking guy. His wife's gorgeous. I mean, it's not. It's not a shock. He's got good-looking kids. Um, but yeah. no, the, the other one's a doll, and this one, you know, she looks like she got a personality at day two. So good for her. His wife is terrific. <laughs> His wife is absolutely terrific. Oh, that's great. I'll, I'll reach out to him and I'll congratulate him. I did not know that. Thank you for telling me. She was a catcher on our softball team, and she's, I don't know, five, five, two, 105 pounds on a, on a bad day, and didn't want anybody helping her. She was tagging people out. She's a good girl. Maddie, 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 Maddie looked out. SP right, features I'll up two. Next week. Yeah, SP uh, up two. Nasdaq up twenty-eight. Half hour. We're gonna have these CPI numbers. We'll go over those. In the meantime, we'll have Mr. Mr. Professor Helsner. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program. Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Low and stocks and jocks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up three, Nancy Futures up 32. We've been up pretty much the whole way here to various degrees, almost down to the flat line, and then we sneak back up a little bit. Head of the CPI number, and I'm going to have the CPI thing up here ready to go when it happens. And the professor and I will uh, go over the stuff when it happens. How are you, Hal? Doing well. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing all right. I have a, I have a question for you. We had a conversation this weekend, and I don't know. I know you had the triplets, but I will, I will ask you anyway. One of the, one of the ladies, uh, Katie was on last uh, Thursday. Her aunt's a, is a you know, real good friend of ours, and uh, anyway, her other her nephew just had twins, and they're they're preemies, so they're they're still in the in the hospital, in the you know mother's home, but um, they're not they're not identical, and one's got blonde hair and one's got black hair. And the mother's uh, her statement was, at least now I can tell them apart. My question is, <laughs> how how do you it, at some point if you have identical twin, twins, how do you not mix them up? 
Det er så på tagerne, hvor det er Well, I think uh, they have different facial expressions, and they have different quirks, and I think uh, parents pick up on that pretty quick. But when you have lots of kids, it doesn't matter if they look alike or they don't look alike. You don't remember their names anyway. My mom used to my, – my, my name was Ryan, Rod, Todd, before it was Hal. <laughs> But, I mean, if they are identical and you're your first kids and, and they're two days old, how do you not mix them up? Well, I, I still think there's there's uh, little cues that parents can pick up on to differentiate the two. Uh, one, I mean, they're not going to be identical in terms of mood and whatnot. Um, so I, I, I think just little differences that you pick up on naturally that uh, help you differentiate between. I mean, if they're infants, do you really need to differentiate because a baby needs to make sure there's no gas in his or belt in her or his belly. Uh, you got to degas them somehow, right? Uh, yeah, but you would you like to be? Them. Would you like to be the wrong, the wrong guy? You, you're, you're, you're you're originally time, and all of a sudden they mix you up, and now you're the <laughs> other guy. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess does it really matter in the end? <laughs> well, I guess, I guess it doesn't. But uh, I mean, it's like <clears throat> well, I don't know. I mean, it's like if you got six puppies. I mean, you got to put a little. After a while, they have different personalities. You can tell them apart, but on day one, you better have a little collar on them. How would you tell? Yeah, maybe maybe have like a, a you put something different on their clothes to to prompt you that this is Tom and this is Timmy. I'd have to go with a little wristband or something. I didn't. Want, I'd just be horrified <laughs> if I mixed one up. Well, ours ours were uh, different. I mean, Talia came out with an egg shaped head, and because she was, a, they were all preemies, okay. and her eyes were as big as eggs, so she kind of looked like an alien. And then Aiden, Aiden was uh, always kind of like. He always needed you. He always there was this need that he needed. He needed uh, love and well, and it's help. easy and if you got if you got a guy and a girl. Even I could keep them apart. Yeah, but then there was Wes, and Wes was always kind of independent. He really he's like a cat. Wes is like a cat. God, Aiden's like a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> What way do you describe your kids? How would you like your parents describing yeah. you like that, Greg? Well, I mean, a cat is uh, doesn't really need anybody, right? A cat just does his thing. But well, a dog needs constant love and attention. It's, it's like the group today, once in a while, have a cocktail with getting those guys together is like herding cats. Yeah, it's so hard to do, right? You yeah, can't do it. It's like herding chickens. Oh, yeah. It's like, Rocky couldn't herd one chicken, right? In Rocky too. Yeah. He couldn't herd one chicken. God. The, uh, so what do, what do you make of uh, these numbers that are going to come out today? I don't know if we believe them or not. Um, we have the Fed talking about this 2% thing. He must say it 100 times when he's on there, and yet we're nowhere near it. Um, yeah. This deficit is out of control. It looks like they're going to do another push the can down the road of the after the election type thing in Congress. No matter no matter what, seems like no matter how hard they push in Congress, they can't they can't put their arms around this stuff. And then they just the release valve is always print more money and pay people. You know, and they they talk about uh, when they, the people came out yesterday and cut the, the, uh, the ratings, Moody's. They, they cut the. They didn't cut the rating. The rating is still AAA, but they cut the. Uh, what they, they said it was in danger or something. Uh, they cut the outlook. And, and yeah, the expectation. And they said there's. There's no chance of a default. Well. If if, I think it's. In the last couple of years, Hal. That's kind of like when people say they have a hundred percent support for the coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that means they're thinking about they might get fired. The, 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 the dreaded vote of confidence, you know. Yeah. 
Or when the coach says, yeah, I'm not interested in an A&M job. I'm not interested in it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all I got to do is hang here two years and I get paid for 10. This is a great deal. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I guess my, my question is, in the last two years, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, the whole world has redefined what a recession is. All right? I mean, I mean by any stretch of the imagination... The, the year and a half COVID period was not only a recession; it was a depression, I mean, from by any yeah. stretch. If, if you were if you were to use any sort of a of a decent CPI calculator, there's no way on earth that we didn't have negative GDP those quarters in a row. How could we not? The yeah. place was shut down. But now we've, we've they're just lying. I, I'm convinced, yeah. but they're just lying. They got to be lying. They're well, just lying. So period. so we've redefined what a recession is, which is okay. I don't really care about that. But now they're saying. There's 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 no risk of default. Well, now again, how do you define default? I think if you pour enough money into the system, where anybody holding five hundred bucks now has three fifty, you've already defaulted, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, if if, if you if, destroyed the currency, I think yeah, I think that's a default, right? You I mean, if, if I mean if if I owed you a hundred bucks and I had the ability to create my own currency. And you walked in and said, Chief, where's my hundred bucks? And I went in the back room and made one turn of the printer and said, Here it is. Yeah. I guess I paid you. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. Uh, you know, but I, w- what did I really do? I just put another hundred into the system, and everybody else around who's got some hundreds in their pocket, their values just dropped by a little bit, right? Yeah. How, w- how are we going to possibly get enough people to realize that's happening to make a difference? I clearly don't think the people in Congress I, aren't putting it together. I mean, or, or if well, they are, they're whatever. Well, one, the, the people that report on this stuff, uh, the anchors in New York and D.C., during the, the pandemic, they were fine. They, they didn't feel recession. Right. Well, the I mean, people it, debating these bills, they were fine. They didn't feel any recession. The people of the Fed, Fauci, they didn't feel any pain. I mean, Fauci's jogging by himself outside. He's probably thinking... Man, I need to extend this thing because there's nobody out here but me, and I, I get a jog in isolation. So all these people during the pandemic were fine, but what about that? All those single moms in those tiny apartments. Oh God, you couldn't even go to the park across the street. They couldn't go anywhere. They were stuck in that little apartment with maybe one or two kids. I mean, it must have been brutal. Oh yeah. So, you know, the the people that report on this stuff, the people that are making the decisions, they're feeling fine. I mean. Biden, Biden has like what, seventeen percent, fifteen percent of people saying, "Hey, things have never been better." Well, of course, uh, you know they're 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 the ones that were on the that, that were anchoring the the news programs from home. Their lives were made better because they didn't have to commute into into the downtown. They were still getting paid. You could have your suit coat uh, on over your underwear. Yeah, exactly, and uh, engaging in some extracurricular activities if you get my. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the policymakers they were they were just fine. I mean, they they were happy. And the 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 wealthy celebrities that supported this whole thing. I mean, they're all saying stay home, stay home, stay home. Staying home to a lot of people is a tiny, uh, small apartment or house with no backyard. For them, staying home is Cayman Islands or some yeah, eighty yeah. square foot ranch in Montana, right? So the, the, all those people were feeling fine. And they're still feeling fine. But the rest of us, I mean, credit card debt is record highs. I think a trillion dollars in credit card debt was added this year. 
that can't be good. And why why did that happen? Because prices have gotten so high. So what we really need we need some serious deflation. We need we need a market system. We need the markets to work and to wring out all this uh, money that the Fed created. We need some serious deflation. I, uh, They're never going to let that happen. They're never going to let that. Why? Happen. Uh, well, it, it it could happen on its own. It did in 1929, right? Yeah, yeah. But you don't, we don't yeah. we don't want that. But here's my and that wasn't a government failure. That wasn't a market failure. That was the market working. Well, it was it was something. You know. Yeah. We, you you feel that way. Carl feels that way. I have real concerns with that because the same people that benefited spectacularly on the way up on the inflation you know if it was even neither one of us would care but it's not like you said yeah and it's not even it's not it's even not i mean stay, stay at home it depends on where the hell your home is you know yeah i guess if you had a balcony it was easier than if you didn't right even if you had an yeah. apartment uh, just think about those poor people in beijing i, I saw videos and heard the audios of people being trapped in their homes in Beijing and 25 million people crying and moaning because they they were starving because uh, the CCP had locked them into their houses. And this was a year, I think, after the pandemic. I, right? I, China was still trying to lock it down. I'm not, I've never been there. Never want to go, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could go to Hong Kong. But even then, Russell says that's not so hot anymore either. But I, I really do think that they use that I hate to accuse anybody of this. I think they use that as a way to get rid of their old people. Yeah, I think so too. And also, hey, don't mess with this. We'll lock you down. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a form of control. I mean, right? the, the, how many people do you think died over there? I mean, I, I think they lo- they locked the front door and basically said sort of bodies out the back. And, yeah, uh, I think so. I, I think that happened too because when you weld people into their Wuhan apartments, what's what do you think is going to happen? Well, the, more, the, I mean, the rumors of the amount of crematoriums going 24 hours a day and how, yeah. many, and how many cell phone numbers all of a sudden were not in use it was millions wasn't it yeah I think you mentioned like 20 million yeah. cell phones had just disappeared they weren't being used anymore and there were people here that'd that be said, an interesting study that, that'd be an interesting study to see what happened uh, cell phone traffic in China if you could do a study if you could get the data see what happened to cell phone traffic did it drop 20% did it drop 10% I mean It'd be like a structural shift. All of a sudden, it just drops. We had people, actually, we had a lady who was producing at the time. She used to argue with me incessantly when I said stuff like that. She goes, look at the Internet. They said there's only 85,000 people uh, dead in China from the COVID. I go, why would you believe that? And she goes, it's all over the Internet. Why, why, would you, why do you not believe? Why do you think the number is different? I mean, uh, we had uh, one of the guys, one of our friends, who's unfortunately getting hip surgery today, but uh, we were with him last night. He, he took an Uber in one morning during the midst of this, when it, actually when it kind of started. And uh, he, his parents were from Wuhan province. So the guy was telling our, our buddy, hey, in, at the time they were talking about 10,000 people dead. He goes, do you think if 10,000 people died in China from anything, anybody would care with the amount of people that are over there? He goes, yeah. it's, he goes, it's way higher. My parents say there, there's dead bodies all over the place. I mean, I mean, the, I mean, you can't believe any of this stuff. I don't, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, whatever. I, I mean, if, I, if if the CCP can disappear a billionaire who's a member of the CCP for being too critical of Xi Jinping's um, uh, COVID policy, then they're capable of much. And 
you know, a lot of the GDP numbers are bloated, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they have an inflation there. Their inflation is probably worse than ours. So they lie on inflation to boost the GDP growth, right? The real GDP growth. Like us. That's that's the trick. That's the trick, right? I don't think nominal GDP... I mean, I don't think you can really lie with nominal GDP, but you can definitely lie or underreport. let's just say underreport the deflator. You can definitely underreport that, and if you underreport that, you get bang-up numbers on real GDP. I think we've so been doing I, I think that... if you look at their inflation, their GDP growth is a lot less than we think it is. Hell, I think we've been doing that since... At least two thousand. Yeah, and I, I think we 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 started it when you, when the medical medical expenses really started to take off, and yeah. we've, we we're, we've locked the GDP into what seven percent of your basket is medical stuff. Well, I, I shared one. this. Uh, I tweeted this article about how infl- uh, healthcare um, component is very subjective, and how they actually have healthcare declining in the CPI. Well, they have health and, they have health insurance dropping dramatically. Yeah, the healthcare component of the CPI yeah. Yeah. is what's preventing the CPI from actually reflecting it in housing, or reflecting a, a better reflection of uh, what inflation is. Well, if you, if you snuck the healthcare portion up to twenty percent, which it is, yeah. and, and and went back to two thousand and revised it, I think you'd have no GDP growth anywhere. For for twenty yeah. well, for that, twenty three years. That's what I'm. That's what I'm finding with. If you look at uh, nominal GDP growth since 2011, it's about eight percent a year. You look at M2 growth, and we're using geometric means here. You look at M2 growth from that same time period, and it's at eight eight and a half percent. So what does that tell you? There's absolutely been no real GDP growth. But for the people who report the news, who report the on the government statistics. They go along with it because they, I don't think it's a conspiracy. They just feel like things can't get any better because it, for them, it's great. For the people in D.C., it's great. For the people in the Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve people for in the bureaucracy, things can't get any better. Things have been great. So for about 15% of the population, they see, they, they buy it. They believe these numbers. For the rest of us, we're, we're kind of skeptical. Well, I'm, I'm looking here and on a... <clears throat> Where they get this, because <clears throat> even Carl can't find the detail on the PCE. I mean, it just, it was, who knows where that all is. But somehow or another, in Wikipedia here, they, they at least feel like they have the uh, um, the adjustments and stuff. Now, the, the PCE is supposed to be a more more current basket to people than the, than the traditional CPI, correct? Yeah. Isn't that the... Well, it's a broader, it's a broader, it's all consumption. Right. Well, here's now here's there's three categories, three columns here in Wikipedia. Now this is Wikipedia uh, consumption category. There's the CPI unadjusted. Uh, there's a PCE unadjusted and the PCE adjusted. And I'm just going down the, the list here to uh, give everybody a. Um, so you start with food and beverages. CPI it's 15 percent. Unadjusted PCE is 13.8. Adjusted 17. Now why they goose that one up, I don't know. Um, housing, the CPI is 42%. PC unadjusted is 26 And their adjusted is 32 I don't know of anybody who only pays 32% of their stuff for housing, but it's another. Uh, rent, rent they have 4.1%. Owner's equivalent rent, 159 Those are fairly close. Actually, owner's equivalent rent is down 8, eight percentage points from the CPI. The CPI's got it at 
and uh, the, the PC's got it 15.9. So they've, they've got it even lower. But here's the beauty of it, the, the line that I think is so telling. Medical care, a CPI has it at 6.2%. Now, tell me, when it's 21% of the, pop, of the economy, how is it 6.2% of your basket? The PC yeah. unadjusted has it, guess what, you know, 22.3%, which is probably exactly where it ought to be, right? Yeah. Yet the PCE adjusted, they adjusted down to five. Wow. What? Tell me. I'm saying I've got. You know, I have a question for you. You're not. You're not as much of a conspiracy theorist and some of this stuff as maybe you will will someday. When people go to the hospital, and now a lot of people's. Uh, we always had a you know, our, our insurance PTI paid paid up for the stuff. We had some kind of a deductible, but it wasn't that much. We never had to pay a percentage of the uh, hospital bill. Okay, but now these guys in the building, the engineers, you know, custodians, whatever you want to call them, good friends of mine, and they tell me all this stuff. Well, they have a policy that's Blue Cross, but Blue Cross has got about eight different levels now, from the schlump policy to the good policy. And I think they're in one of the schlump policies. And they, I think they're five or seven grand deductible, which is a lot. Then they pay, I think, 10% of the bill. Now, my question is, do they pay 10% of the initial hospital list price bill, or do they pay 10% of what Blue Cross actually pays? Because he, he was telling me, you know, it's more than anybody needs to know, but he was going in for a colonoscopy. And I, you know, I have no idea what one of those, it doesn't seem like it's a big procedure to me. Uh, but guess, guess what the price was? 20, it's like 19.5. Wow. And uh, seems a little high, so he had to pay five grand in deductible, and another two for uh, his percentage of the thing. I don't think Blue Cross is paying twenty grand for that colonoscopy. I mean, I haven't seen the yeah. bill. I, I bet they're charging him off the gross, which would be really, really suck. But how how would insurance? I'll, I'll bet if you went online today and, and said. Uh, where can I get a colonoscopy? I'll bet there's places you can go and get one for five grand or four. I yeah. mean, I. Well, my colleague at uh, Westminster, I think it was uh, John Watkins, I think he shared an article with me about three or four years ago about a study, a case study between two hospitals. And they were new replacements, and one hospital was charging like, I don't know, $60,000 for its new replacement. The other hospital was charging 10000 and I said, well, I, I kind of joked, and I in the email I said, well, maybe the hospital charging sixty five thousand thinks its knee replacement is the Ferrari of knee replacements, and the hospital that's doing it for ten, it's the Cobalt Chevy Cobalt of yeah. uh, knee replacement. So, you know, I think with the government intervening in these markets, and depending on where the hospitals are located, if they're located near wealthy areas versus poor areas I think there's a lot that go into the pricing of these goods and my, my thing is there's no way that the healthcare component of the CPI is down year over year there's no. no way Yeah. I mean, it, and that right there that right there is enough to skew the CPI down I mean that right there I mean there's no way I mean with the baby boomers uh, aging and uh, working off the working out of the labor force you know uh, uh, leaving the labor force um, more and more as they age as a group and using more and more healthcare services 
there's no way you can freeze the healthcare component of CPI at what it historically been. You got it. It's, it's, it's like eleven thousand a night. But but here's yeah. I, I just somebody not look at this. I mean, you're 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 so far advanced in the math stuff than me these days. But I'm sitting there looking. Okay, gasoline adjusted four point three percent of the basket. Now, let me get this straight. I'm gonna. These numbers could be wrong. Kick me, one of you guys. I'm gonna say the average driver, twelve thousand miles a year. I'll, I'll just lo- I'll lob that one out there. All right. So we're talking a thousand miles a month. The average car gets, let's say, twenty miles a gallon. My suburban does not uh, anywhere close. All right. So we're talking fifty gallons of gas a month. All right. And the gas is, if it's four dollars, it's it's what, it's uh. What does that come out to? Twenty dollars, twenty dollars a month. Yeah. yeah. Explain to me anybody who could get his medical insurance for less than two hundred dollars a month, or the same price. How, how can gas be four point three percent of your basket, and medical care being five? Yeah, and, and on top of that, the CPI. We're talking about the urban CPI. That when they talk about CPI, they're talking about the typical urban consumer too. Does a typical urban consumer drive that much? I know, out in Idaho. Um, in Utah, we have to drive long distances uh, to do things. But in a city where you have public transportation, are people driving that much? But how, but maybe, how, maybe they're driving to avoid the the parking when they have the same side sleeping, right? But how, sleeping. But how does Jerome Powell, who I think is probably a very bright man, not look at this list and and just pick these things out like I just did? He he's supposed to be the best economist in the world. I'm just some I'm just a schlump talking to the other schlumps on well, the show. I mean, you know, I, I mean. What would happen to his job if he came out and said, "Yeah, the CPI does a horrible job of capturing inflation, and we're gonna we're gonna switch it from CPI. We're gonna we're not gonna look at the CPI. We're not gonna look at the PCU. We're gonna look at nominal GDP growth and compare it to money growth over a long well, period of time." The unadjusted. He, he'd be fired. He would be fired because then he's saying we've been in a recession. For okay, but 10, 20 years. but the the per- reason for this is the unadjusted PCE. His medical care at twenty two percent of the basket, which is probably yeah. correct. His first question has to be, who's the idiot that adjusts it from twenty two to five? And why should I believe yeah. him? I, I, he has no. Well, I, isn't isn't the adjustment supposed to be a seasonal adjustment? No, this is, this is the this is their adjusted mm-hmm. ba- basket. Okay. Oh, the adjusted basket. Okay, the, I thought the, it was the yeah. This the is the seasonally adjusted piece. No, 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 this is not yeah. this month. We're talking about the yeah. percentage of your basket they adjusted it down. Mm-hmm. But how? How could that possibly be? Hey, uh, yeah. you, you can't. I mean, in fact, one of my my buddies from the Fed, um, consumer price index unchanged. So S and P's are up fifty two, unchanged. Bull bleep. So we had zero percent month over month. Yep. Hmm. There you go. Why don't we go to break and we come back? We'll t- <laughs> we'll, we'll pull this apart. S P futures up fifty five. Nasdaq futures up two fifty. Yes. We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade 
every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices, along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome up by Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tomorrow's Greg Pampas on the board. Greg just reported to me that if you think for a second that you're going in the store and prices are going up, you're just being misguided. 3.2% year over year versus 3.3%. Uh, core, 4 instead of 4.1%. You're just being misguided. You're just somebody looking for, for bad stuff. SP Futures up 53%. NSA Futures up 240 That's a percent and a half. Easy money. Easy money. Dow Futures. I want you to do a traffic weather sports because none of my other stuff that's on delay or is even caught up. So let's get it, let's give it a few minutes. Why don't you right. do your stuff and then we'll talk about this this report. Sure. Good morning, everyone. Seven thirty-three here in Chicago. Thirty-six degrees, sixty-two today. Um, Phoenix, we've got seventy degrees right now. Eighty-six today, partly sunny. And inbound uh, traffic, inbound Kennedy from Montrose is forty-two minutes. We've got eighty-eight minutes from the uh, Cook to the interchange. Wolf on the Ike is 43 minutes into the interchange, and then I-55 is two is 38 minutes. So that's that. Avs beat the Kraken five to one. NCAA. Why don't they uh, change that name to Kraken? The Kraken. I kind of like it. Oh thought God. it was creative. That surprised me. <laughs> In NCAA basketball, number two Purdue wins at home against Xavier. Michigan wins at St. John's. Uh, Nebraska beats Ryder, so they're all 3-0 now. Jimbo Fisher gets his big payout. It's about $77.5 million. How much is the dude from Michigan, Mississippi State going to make? Oh, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. And Russell Wilson does well. 20, 24 for 29, two TDs as the Broncos beat the Bills. And that's all I got, Chief. Well, I, I will say that since I've been questioning the value of this Adobe, not questioning, just... Looking as as it is exa- example, I've probably been doing that now for uh, three weeks. Stack is up ninety dollars since I've been questioning it. <laughs> How am I doing? <laughs> hope no, hope nobody actually shorted the thing. I didn't. Uh, I I think this stuff is runaway craziness. I mean, I just whatever. I'm happy with my with every time my stuff goes up and I can Thank roll you. the puts up and then lock some of it in for my guys. I'm happy as a clam, but I really do question this whole mess. But uh, SP futures up twenty one. Nasdaq futures up two forty two. The entire the only thing I have here is, is uh, Chesapeake is down a penny. Other, other than that, my entire my entire screen here is green. And we have bonds up a bunch. We've got the TNX down to 4.5. Big, big drop there. It means the Fed can just start pouring more money back in in their mind. Hell, what do you think of all this, bud? Yeah. Um, well, if you look at money growth, empty money growth, it, it is negative. But we're, we're talking about relative to um, really high levels. From a couple years ago but if you look at um, the home price index to me it looks like if you look at the home price index the case Shiller one on on fred fed it, it looks like the federal reserve congress and the president are reinflating because uh it looked like the bubble was going to burst um a couple years ago but man it's it's the home price index is back up to where it was uh when it peaked out 
just a couple years ago. So I, I think there's just so much that um, it, it, I think these metrics are really hard to capture what inflation really is doing. I actually wanted to run, run one by around. you that I, I postulated out there yesterday, but I didn't have a, a professor to run it by. Uh, my, my new theory is, I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to figure out, I mean, these theories all, you know, whatever. Uh, when I was in school, which is a long time ago, and the Milton Friedman's of the world were alive, the idea was that you um, you always had, uh, if you did anything with the money supply numbers, monetary policy movements were slow. And they had pretty yeah. much, the, the delay was, if you went from a 3% money supply growth to a 4 or a 2, that it took, I'm going to say, 6 months was the... the uh, the bellwether, uh, which, you know, I don't know if that was ever right or not, but it somewhere was between four and eight, right, was that was really the the number uh, on the delay that people would ask. They would say, you yeah. know, what's the delay, and that's what they would tell you. And uh, But it always, the shifts were never that huge, all right? Now, my question is, I'm looking at the, I have the money supply thing out right, right in front of us here. Uh, if you look at, I'll look at the last five years, I mean, we went from uh, February 20, we went from there, we topped out at um, and February February of 2020, we were, I just did this math the other day, we were 15 trillion 450 in M2. We topped out at, uh, I think, on March of 2022 at 21 trillion 697. That's like a 40 or 41% increase. But in yeah. the last year and a half where they're supposed to be working hard on this, it's only down to, uh, you know, 27.50. So they're down like 4%. So it was up yeah. 40, down 4. And actually, the low it was on was April of 2023. And we're actually up from there, right? So they've actually gone up since April. So this idea that they're going down every month is BS. April, well, if you, if, you com- if you convert... Um the monthly or whatever, yeah, the monthly M2 to like an annual, kind of smooth it out a little bit. And then you uh, uh, designate 2019 as the index year, so M2 is 100 in that month. And then you project that forward to 2022, you get 145.6. And if you do a geometric average of those two, you get 13.35% growth in M2 annually from 2019 to 2022. And I think that's a better reflection of what inflation is. Well, my, my question is, as I, of course, go afield every time I start a question. My question to you is, if you go from, in basically, what did I say here, February of 2020 to April of 2022, or March of uh, 2022, you're talking essentially two years in one month. When you, yeah. up, when you up the thing 40% in that period of time, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm asking you, the professor, and maybe you have the resources to do this kind of study I think that you have pushed the the time lag from six months out to maybe three years because you've you've put so yeah. much money in the system it can't even absorb it and, and, and well I think what happens too I, I think there's why that I think you're making a good point because what if, what do people who get that money first do with it well they kind of stockpile they sit on a bunch of cash right aren't these corporations yeah sitting on all kinds of cash well the first and, thing to do with it is, is the banks had so much it was being kicked back to the Fed every night. So even though yeah. 
even though they increased the money supply by 40%, it really didn't increase by 40% because it can't yeah. that fast. Yeah. And, they, and they, were getting, uh, they were getting so much money kicked back to the Fed. I don't think they are anymore. I think it's, it's finally working its way into the system. And Dan Janita said yeah. some of the stuff that's earmarked, uh, well, maybe it's not in the system yet, they're not, they're not even writing checks for the infrastructure stuff and stuff yet. I mean, it's still yeah. backed up. So I, I'm thinking yeah. that the, the the normal six eight months is 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 a, is a is a fairy tale now with this with this kind of a move. Yeah. They they just created so much money. I think a lot of people who got uh, the money, you know, on an individual basis through the COVID pandemic, you know, those uh, stimulus programs they're doing. I think a lot of people kind of sat on that money too, and that's one reason why I think the labor force participation rate is low, and why we're not. I mean, if, you know, if politicians are saying, hey, the economy's recovered, but if you look at the employment number, the household employment number, we're probably 4 million jobs below where we should be if we were fully employed. Now, how can people do that? Well, they're probably sitting on some cash. But eventually that cash, I mean, they, they were getting, you know, we had the, the enhanced uh, unemployment benefits. We had the enhanced food stamp benefits. We had the, the injection of cash right away. People probably saved it sat on it they weren't going to work they weren't spending really a lot of money maybe they're streaming a lot of shows on on netflix or hulu uh but eventually they got to run through that cash and so i think what what has happened and i think the reason why it's got a delayed effect what went, went from six months to maybe two or three months like you say is that people and these corporations are essentially their own fed right they're printing the money as they need it they're using the printed money when they need it right and that kind of lengthens it out, right? Well, it's it's still in the system. It's, in a, that lag. it's still in the yeah. system. It's in a bank someplace. Yeah, but it's not. And getting, they're using not, it as they need it. They, they don't, they're not going to spend all of it in that one month. They're not. Go, they're not all going to Jamaica and having a party in Jamaica that weekend, right? Well, what they're I'm saying is, if, it, out, if so. they have it, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be somewhat rigorous here. That if yeah. if they keep it in a bank and the bank's got too much yeah. and they kick it to the Fed at night for interest, yeah. it's essentially coming out of the system. Yeah. But if, if, if yeah, banks are getting paid. Banks are getting paid what four or five percent interest on any reserve that they uh, have. So I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure. I mean, sure that. But they were getting one and a half percent when they were, or uh, even one and a quarter percent when yeah. the when the the demand deposits are getting nothing. So if you can get you know a billion dollars or ten billion dollars of other people's money, even if you make one percent on it, it's it's a good do, right? Yeah. I mean. It, Oh, the, the poor banks are only getting one percent. Yeah, but they're not paying anything. It's not their dough. You know. Yeah, right now the interest on reserves rate is five point four percent. That's unreal. So it's unreal, man. It's basically what the federal funds rate is, right? It's, yeah. It's a price floor. It's a price floor in the federal funds rate, and it's at five point four percent right now. Well, the federal it funds. It was at. But, but there's a difference between. Let's. Uh, I keep tossing these terms around. So let's let's let's. Let's be uh, somewhat rigorous here, if you mind, don't mind for a second. Yeah. Normally, if if a guy like Hal pulls $5 million out of his bank account at, at Chase and drops it over at City, um, maybe that night Chase is short a little bit in reserves and the other guys are flush because Hal or, or Google or somebody moved a lot of dough. And this, this happens all the time. Where, uh, so what... What you're supposed to do, so the Fed doesn't have to worry about it. You don't. Want, you can either. You can go to the discount window, which is sort of frowned upon, and actually borrow your excess reserves from the Fed. But that's 
Nobody likes to see you do that because that means you're kind of in trouble. Well, it's also more expensive too. Right. Since nineteen or since uh, two thousand and three, it's been fifty basis points generally, uh, maybe fifty or hundred basis points higher than the federal funds rate. So what the the Fed funds rate is is the bank is the the rate at which banks loan money to each other overnight for the reserves, and there, there's this active federal funds market, which by the way, the the Fed totally torpedoed. With the start of COVID, because one of my my buddies in the Tripoli, that's what he did, and he quit. He's if one night he, one night he told me uh, that they they moved fifty million dollars to someplace overnight, and the in the in the in the rate was less. They didn't make it enough on the interest to cover the wiring fee. Hmm. So there essentially was no Fed funds market. Everything went back and forth to the Fed. I think now maybe there is one. I don't although I don't know that. I think it's kind of been recreated. Where banks are actually lending to each other, at least more than they were. I don't, because for a long period of time you never messed with the Fed. You didn't drop money there. You didn't. You, you just you, you. The banks did it amongst themselves, correct? Yeah. Well, the discount rate right now is five point five. At the discount window, it's five point five. So it's ten basis points higher than interest on reserves. And interest on reserves is tracking really close to. The, the kind of like the market rate, you know, the rate that. Well, can you find out banks. what the what the volume is in the Fed funds? Because is is it back to being a real market like it used to be, or is it a COVID market where nobody used it? Well, I think if the federal funds rate, if the effective federal funds rate is right at the uh, interest on reserves rate, what's going on is yeah, and, and the Fed's got a huge, massive balance sheet. So what's going on there is because that, this balance sheet is so big. And the Fed funds rate is at the uh, interest on reserves rate. The interest on reserves rate acts as a minimum wage, if you will. It acts as a, a price floor. It can't go below it. And that's one reason the Fed can keep so much money on hand. It, all it does, all it has to do, is raise the minimum wage, raise the uh, interest on reserves rate, and it increases the amount of unemployed reserves. So. People from banks, they don't want to make a loan at six if they can get five and a half from the uh, Federal Reserve by holding it as reserve because, you know, there's things like default risk, right? Well, plus it's too much work. Yeah, and it's too much work, right? So they're going to hold it at the Federal Reserve because the Federal Reserve has said, hey, we'll pay you interest on reserves in the amount of 5.4%. Well, which would you rather have? Hold that money. Which would you rather have? Four schmucks, they probably aren't schmucks, they're probably good guys or girls. Four schmucks at the bank uh, working their fannies off to do uh, uh, 50 car loans a month at 7% or fire them all and just kick the money to the Fed for five and a half. Which would you rather do? Exactly. I, I would fire them all and ki- uh, kick the money to the Fed. Yeah, which five, you, which you, but that's not, what the, that's not what the, you want in the economy, right? <laughs> no, that's not what you want in the economy, yeah. That's why a lot of this money... I mean, it was created, but it's still kind of bottled up, and we're not really feeling it yet, right? We, we're not feeling the full effect of this monetary and fiscal stimulus. Well, what do, what do you do with, I mean, when I keep using the Weimar Republic uh, incident example, but what do you do when you price an individual stock? And I know, I know this is not what you do, and it's really not what I do. Uh, I just, every once in a while, I look for warning signs, because I remember back in 2000, when Cisco and these companies got over 10 times revenue, that's when the fun sort of started, and it wasn't much fun. Now, I'm looking at a, at a company like Adobe, and I can do the same thing with Microsoft and, and Meta and the rest of these things. Um, 
when you start getting over 10, 11 times revenue and you're that big, I mean, if it's if it's Hal Inc. and you're trading, you got you know three hot dog stands and you're you're trading ten times revenue, and I and I know that you've got four more on the drawing board and they're all in great locations. And you've always locked up the land and all that stuff. I can roll with it, Hal, because the Hal hot dogs can double next year easy. Not easy, but I think you have the wherewithal that you could pull it off. And there's a chance of that, and all of a sudden I'm going to make a lot of money as an investor. And I, I'm 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 going with you, but if Hal has uh, 500 hot dog stands in every spot you can think of, you've got one in. Now there's you know there's still China and India and all that you know all that kind of crap, but uh, and I'm sitting there going, boy, Hal's stack is 11 times revenue. How how the hell is Hal gonna double anytime soon? He's already got 500. He puts up two a month. Uh, how many years is that to double? Even if he finds the places. How does how does a company like Adobe double their revenue when they're doing eighteen billion a year? How how, how I mean I don't if, if Microsoft doubles they'd have to be the only stock left, right? Yeah. Well, maybe maybe there is just this Austrian uh, economics story of the business cycle where the Federal Reserve keeps interest rates low for too long of a period of time, and it does that by printing a bunch of money, and the people that that receive the money initially. They're the ones that benefit. They buy assets below before prices can rise. And, and like you said earlier in the show, it's not even. When the Fed and the uh, fiscal authorities, uh, when they run their deficits and the Fed buys all that debt, that money is not distributed equally to everybody at the same time. It, it flows into the hands of a few people and they can use that, they can use that money then to do what? To make expansions before prices have a chance to rise, and I'm thinking that's probably what explains that. Well, I mean, most is, of it, maybe. Can it can it be? And please tell me no. Can it be as sinister as sometimes I'll get in a, in a nightmare to say, "Look, we're going to increase the money supply by fifty percent. We're going to we're going to uh, essentially inflate our way out of our debt in a way that if you were dumb enough to give me." Uh, this money two years ago at this percentage rate, not only is the interest rate horrible for you, but the million dollars you gave me for 30 years, when I give you the money back, it's really going to be worth 80 grand or some ridiculous number, which, which is the direction we're going. Yeah. Um, how, how, do, how do people wake up to that and say, look what these people... But, but the weird part was, is what Colton gave me the opportunity to do, Al, and here's where I get so sinister, is it gave them a mechanism to take the people they liked, liked or benefactors or whatever, and just plain give them the dough. Not, yeah. not even, I mean, just say, okay, you're a teacher's union, for instance, and I'm not saying everyone on the inside, they've gotten 40% raises over this time. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, we're just going to give the money to United Airlines. We're going to give the money to, you know, Lockheed. We're going to pick out the people we like, and we're just going to give it to them. We're going to give we're going to give out three trillion dollars. It also gave the federal government an, a license to fire people that they didn't like. Yeah, people who did not take the vaccine, people who didn't like not like wearing a mask, they were fired. And you know, so to me, uh, if that was the purpose of those firings, is to concentrate the federal government and its bureaucracies with people who are more likely to wear a mask and uh, 
take the vaccine and take all those boosters, then to me that's a violation of that um, civil servants law. That oh, I, I think they're way beyond that. Yeah, but I mean, I think I, it's a violation I'm, I'm of saying that, law. but they actually and they they the rest of the population, probably us included, since we haven't exactly done anything about it, uh, are so dumb that we think we've got our three thousand dollar check in the, in the mail and somehow we're participating. Yeah, and yet you know I. The, the, the amount of all the all the money that they gave out in the PPP and the individual checks was what twenty five thirty percent of the total. Where, where did the rest of it go? Yeah, it, I mean, but who did it go to? Yeah. there was a lot of fraud in California. And, but everybody are else they really, are they really yeah. going to are they really going to go through and prosecute the fraud that was going on in California? Well, they're not going to prosecute it because they wanted it. They created it. Yeah, they basically the said that, if you're in the in crowd. And, and, and a lot of people, I mean, yeah. there's there's, a, there's attorney firms here that got five million bucks. Yeah. I, I know a guy who owns a, a pizza restaurant. He had his best year ever doing carryouts and having part of the place open. His best year ever. He raised all the prices, and he got I think two, three hundred and some thousand dollar checks. Yeah, it's the people enough. that go along and get along, the the fans of the show. Yeah, you get a check. You get a check. Yeah, you get a check. You get a check. Right. I mean, just I mean, if you're not a fan of the show and you don't go along, you don't get a check. But the rest of the people are absolutely gagging. If you're just, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know how you're an. That's that that I think that explains why uh, there are people saying this economy is great. I mean, they're fifteen percent roughly are saying they've never had it better. Everything's good, and I'm like thinking to myself, and have you been on the street? It's pretty rough out there. I mean, you go to McDonald's. I, I take my kids to McDonald's. I used to go quite often because in Utah they have, you know, the free Wi-Fi and they got to play places everywhere. And I go in there and I can, you know, watch the kids and I can work because I was always working. I got to grade stuff. I got to write a paper. The kids can play in the play place. I have the Wi-Fi. I get the free sodas. Back then I could, you know, buy them, you know, cheeseburgers and a French fries, you know, French fries and a, and a, and a drink. Collectively, we would spend maybe, I don't know, $12. Because all I'd do is I'd get a Diet Coke and that would be it, right? But now if I do that, I'm spending like 40 bucks on that same stuff. I mean, cheeseburgers are like well, go to, go $3 to, each. Go to Chick-fil-A. Go to Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A over a family of four and it's 80 bucks. I know. It, you know, if I if I buy McDonald's, you know, my mother-in-law says, how why do you go get McDonald's? I'll buy it. I'll buy it. And I, I buy it on the app. And even with a 20% discount in my McDonald's app, we're still pushing $65 because that dang fish filet is $8 sandwich. Yeah. Well, here I got, I've got the unadjusted change here and the, and the seasonally adjusted. They're the same. September to October, they got zero, going up zero. July to August, we're 0.6%. August to September, 0.4%. And September to October, zero, if you believe that. Now, this particular month, um, what, have we, what, have, what have we got in the, in the, down, in the down, down cookies are down 1%. But I'll get down here to um, stuff that maybe we down to the energy piece uh, energy we've got uh, energy down 3.1% on the month alright uh, and it's got it down uh, how much on the year On the year, actually energy is down a little bit on the year fuel oil, now we've got let's get down to the, the medical stuff that you were talking about uh, household supplies apparel, women's blah 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 blah, blah. transportation commodity medi- medical care commodities um, drugs up 0.6% we've got uh Video televisions. So basically, we got we got an unchanged month, month across the board here. Um, 
and you know as we get alcoholic beverages we've got other goods services we, here, here we've got uh, lodging away from home down 2.5 percent I don't know I don't know why we've done that lodging away from home including hotels and motels down 2.9 uh, we've got medical care services where's our, our hospital services uh, health insurance is still down 34 percent on the year for God's yeah, sake, what are they talking about? And it's only yeah, it's only five percent of somebody's basket. How how yeah. can how can that be? Uh, the if you're if, if you, what what does it cost for if you're paying your own? A decent policy is what twenty two hundred a month. What the hell? How can that be five percent? That's it's it's uh twenty six grand a year, right? How how in God's name is that five percent of somebody's if it's ten percent, you're making two hundred twenty grand. Five percent, you're making four twenty. Right? Who makes four twenty? Well, maybe maybe what they're thinking, maybe the government's thinking, is that because most people get their health insurance through their employer, they're not really paying for it. But we are. We're paying for it in the sure form are. of lower, lower salaries. Our salaries are lower than they would be otherwise because our health insurance is part of our compensation. Not, yeah, I don't see how uh, everything in the list here. That's the only way I can. That's the only thing. That's the only logic I can think of to have it at five or six percent. That's that's the only thing that. That's the only explanation I can see is that the employer pays it, so you're not really paying it. So we don't have to have it at 20 percent. We can have it at six percent or five percent. They've got motor vehicle body work down 0.7 percent on the month. Really? Um, maybe I should go to an estimate again on the rust on my suburban. Uh, now video discs. Now they're down two percent on the month. That I can get. But this is a, uh, you know, this is this is interesting stuff. I, what do you make of the the consumer? thing being down in October by using the credit card study the other day. Why does that why does that surprise anybody when everybody had to send in their, their student loan check for the first time in two years? I know, exactly. <laughs> I mean if you're not paying your student loan, you're probably using that money to pay down your credit card, right? So yeah, I don't understand why people would be shocked by that when all of a sudden you gotta start repaying that student loan. Well for for a dude like me who's managing people's dough now we're up sixty-two bucks, and the S and P's are up almost two percent in the Nasdaq. What does this What does this tell me? It's every happy days are here again that we're going to be like during COVID, where the market went up every single day. We, we've taught people here, you know, that if, if and I, I should have, I, mean, I paid somewhat attention to it because I didn't get short or anything. Uh, to this article, the guy said, if we go into a big recession, the market's not going down; it's going up, just like in COVID. Yeah, they're going to pour enough money well, in. They're going to pump up asset prices because those are. Those are the masters now, not the rest of us. Yeah. Well, the way I'm playing this is uh, I know the things that I want in terms of policy is not going to happen. So what I do know is the policies that we're getting are going to continue. So the way I'm playing this is I have that townhouse in Utah, and Utah has limits on its uh, ability to uh, develop outside of the cities because 80% of Utah is federal land. So I'm thinking there's going to be a housing um, supply issue in Utah for the next 20, 30 years. That's only going to cause rents to go up. So I'm, I'm betting that the inflation that they're going to create is going to yield me a printing press in about 10 years when I get that house paid off. And I'll be, I'll, li- I'll be living, we'll be living pretty well when that house is paid off and the rents are $3,000 a month. Well, but maybe $4,000. You'll, you'll, you'll be keeping pace. Yeah, I'll be keeping pace, right? Yeah, so you, exactly. You can't really gain on your own house, but if you have an extra house, you can yeah. keep pace. 
Well, but I'm I'm collecting the rent on it, right? Right. I'm collecting maybe in ten years that rents four thousand a month, and my house will be paid off. I'll be having a net flow of four thousand in into my bank account. I, uh, well, that's that's the theory. Now, the other idea yeah. is where are you going to find people who can afford four thousand a month, given they're not getting well, raises you know, anywhere near. As- it happens in New York. I mean, my my in laws bought their house in New York when it was two hundred thousand, and now the thing is probably worth two million in, um, in twenty years. All right, right? My, my question. There is, I and mean, I'm coming from a city that's degrading horribly here in Chicago. I'll, I don't, I don't give, I honestly don't give a crap if I got to pay ten thousand a month for a crummy apartment if I'm making two million dollars a year, and that's the only place I can make it. And New York yeah. has always been like that. Russell yeah. was on the other day. We got to go here, but Russell was on the other day saying the new financial capital of this country is been, is going to be Miami. I think so too. So, I really do. They so, had that World Trade Center. Man, it's a beautiful place. But I'm not, and I hope he's wrong because it's not Chicago anymore. I mean, the place yeah. I, I'm in the financial community here, and it's dead zone. But I mean, well, New York but, is pretty hostile to, I think, business and. Okay, but I'm I saying think. is, if if I'm not working on Wall Street, making a million bucks a year, I'm not renting that apartment, that piece of crap for yeah. for two grand a month, yeah. you know, or five yeah. grand a month. I mean, one one yeah. follows the other, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, people, well, you know, pri- pri- you know, we have inflation. Uh, it's going to inflate people's wages. It's going to inflate the rents, and I'm hoping that when that happens, you know, the wages are going to be inflated. Maybe, maybe not inflated by the same amount as the rent. Well, you're, you're, but, so you're. We, we got a dash here, Hal. But you're, yeah. you're, you're the twins at a barbell. You know, yeah. Hal, Hal, I, know, I know what I want. It's not going to happen. So I'm well, gonna, what I'm, I'm saying, going but, with, but, but, gonna happen. but here's what's happening. Hal, the employee, Hal, the professor, knows you're never going to keep up. With this inflation, yeah. but how the investor is hoping that your house or apartment or condo you got in a couple places that you're going to participate in the largest enough to where you're okay with it. Exactly. Yep. I'm gonna, which, that's which, how is, I'm it. Yep. which is good for you, but pretty screwed up <laughs> if everybody has to have a, a side house to keep up, basically. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. SP futures up 59. Nasdaq futures up 256. Hal, thank you. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. I hate goodbyes. <laughs> <laughs> Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. HomeSource Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.